0: Part one of chapter twenty-six of the Italian. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Reading by Marty Chris. The Italian by Anne Radcliffe. Part one of chapter twenty-six. Sullen and sad, to fancy's frighted eye, did the shapes of dun and murky hue advance in train tumultuous all of gesture strange and passing horrible caractacus while the late events had been passing in the garganus and at naples vivaldi and his servant paolo remained imprisoned in the distinct chambers of the inquisition they were again separately interrogated from the servant no information could be obtained he asserted only his master's innocence without once remembering to mention his own Clamored with more justice than prudence "'against the persons who occasioned his arrest, "'seriously endeavouring to convince the inquisitors "'that he himself had no other motive "'in having demanded to be brought to these prisons "'than that he might comfort his master. "'He gravely remonstrated on the injustice of separating them, "'adding that he was sure "'when they knew the rights of the matter, "'they would order him to be carried to the prison of Signor Vivaldi. "'I do assure your saladissimo illustrissimo,' continued Paolo addressing the chief inquisitor with profound gravity that this is the last place i should have thought of coming to on any other account and if you will only condescend to ask your officials who took my master up they will tell you as good they knew well enough all along what i came here for and if they had known it would be all in vain it would have been but civil of them to have told me as much and not have brought me for this is the last place in the world i would have come to otherwise of my own accord paolo was permitted to harangue in his own way because his examiners hoped that his proximity would be a means of betraying circumstances connected with his master by this view however they were misled for paolo with all his simplicity of heart was both vigilant and shrewd in vivaldi's interests but when he perceived them really convinced that his sole motive for visiting the inquisition was that he might console his master yet still persisting in the resolution of separately confining him his indignation knew no bounds he despised alike their reprehension their thundering menaces and their more artful exhibitions told them of all they had to expect both here and hereafter for their cruelty to his dear master, and said they might do what they would with him, he defied them to make him more miserable than he was. It was not without difficulty that he was removed from the chamber, where he left his examiners in a state of astonishment at his rashness and indignation of his honesty, such as they had probably never experienced before." when vivaldi was again called up to the table of the holy office he underwent a longer examination than on a former occasion several inquisitors attended and every art was employed to induce him to confess crimes of which he was suspected and to draw from him a discovery of others which might have eluded even suspicion still the examiners cautiously avoided informing him of the subject of the accusation on which he had been arrested and it was therefore only on the former assurances of the benedictine and the officials in the chapel of san sebastian that vivaldi understood he was accused of having carried off a nun his answers on the present occasion were concise and firm and his whole deportment undaunted he felt less apprehension for himself than indignation of the general injustice and cruelty which the tribunal was permitted to exercise upon others and this virtuous indignation gave a loftiness, a calm heroic grandeur to his mind, which never for a moment forsook him, except when he conjectured what might be the sufferings of Elena. Then his fortitude and magnanimity failed, and his tortured spirit rose almost to frenzy. On this, his second examination, he was urged by the same dark questions and replied to them with the same open sincerity as during the first, yet the simplicity and energy of truth failed to impress conviction on minds which no longer possessing the virtue themselves were not competent to understand the symptoms of it in others vivaldi was again threatened with the torture and again dismissed to the prison on the way to this dreadful abode a person passed him in one of the avenues of whose air and figure he thought he had some recollection and as the stranger stalked away he suddenly knew him to be the prophetic monk who had haunted him among the ruins of the Paluzzi. In the first moment of surprise, Vivaldi lost his presence of mind so far that he made no attempt to interrupt him. In the next instant, however, he paused and looked back, with an intention of speaking. But this mysterious person was already at the extremity of the avenue. Vivaldi called and besought him to stop. Without either speaking or turning his head, however, he immediately disappeared beyond a door that opened at his approach. Vivaldi, on attempting to take the way of the monk, was withheld by his guards, and when he inquired who was the stranger he had seen, the officials asked, in their turn, what stranger he alluded to. "'He who has just passed us,' replied Vivaldi. The officials seemed surprised. "'Your spirits are disordered, (laughs) signor.' observed one of them i saw no person pass he passed so closely said vivaldi that it was hardly possible you could avoid seeing him i did not even hear a footstep added the man i do not recollect that i did answered vivaldi but i saw his figure as plainly as i now see yours his black garments almost touched me was he an inquisitor the official appeared astonished and whether his surprise was real or affected for the purpose of concealing his knowledge of the person alluded to, his embarrassment and awe seemed natural. Vivaldi observed with almost equal curiosity and surprise the fear which his face expressed, but perceived also that it would avail nothing to repeat his questions. As they proceeded along the avenue, a kind of half-stifled groan was almost audible from a distance whence come those sounds said vivaldi they strike to my heart they should do so replied the guard whence come they repeated vivaldi more impatiently and shuddering from the place of torture said the official oh god oh god exclaimed vivaldi with a deep groan he passed with hasty steps the door of that terrible chamber and the guard did not attempt to stop him the officials had brought him in obedience to the customary orders they had received within hearing of those doleful sounds for the purpose of impressing upon his mind the horrors of the punishment with which he had been threatened and of inducing him to confess without incurring them on the same evening vivaldi was visited in his prison by a man whom he had never consciously seen before he appeared to be between forty and fifty was of a grave and observant physiognomy and of manners which though somewhat austere were not alarming the account he gave of himself and of his motive for this visit was curious he said that he was also a prisoner in the inquisition but as the ground of accusation against them was light he had been favoured so far as to be allowed some degree of liberty within certain bounds that having heard of vivaldi's situation he had asked and obtained leave to converse with him which he had done in compassion and with a desire of assuaging his sufferings so far as an expression of sympathy and commiseration might relieve them while he spoke vivaldi regarded him with deep attention and the improbability that these pretensions should be true did not escape him but the suspicion which they occasioned he prudently concealed the stranger conversed on various subjects Vivaldi's answers were cautious and concise but not even long pauses of silence wearied the compassionate patience of his visitor among other topics he at length introduced that of religion i have myself been accused of heresy said he and know how to pity others in the same situation it is of heresy then that i am accused interrupted vivaldi of heresy it availed me nothing that i asserted my innocence continued the stranger without noticing vivaldi's exclamation i was condemned to the torture my sufferings were too terrible to be endured i confessed my offence pardon me interrupted vivaldi but allow me to observe that since your sufferings were so severe yours against whom the ground of accusation was light what may be the punishment of those whose offences are more serious the stranger was somewhat embarrassed my offence was slight he continued without giving a full answer is it possible said vivaldi again interrupting him that heresy can be considered as a slight offence before the tribunal of the inquisition it was only of a slight degree of heresy replied the visitor reddening with displeasure that i was suspected and does then the inquisition allow of degrees in heresy said vivaldi i confessed my offence added the stranger with a louder emphasis and the consequence of this confession was a remission of punishment after a trifling penance i shall be dismissed and probably in a few days leave the prison before i left it i was desirous of administering some degree of consolation to a fellow sufferer. if you have any friends whom you wish to inform of your situation do not fear to confide their names and your message to me the latter part of the speech was delivered in a low voice as if the stranger feared to be overheard vivaldi remained silent while he examined with closer attention the countenance of his visitor it was of the utmost importance to him that his family should be made acquainted with his situation yet he knew not exactly how to interpret or to confide in this offer vivaldi had heard that informers sometimes visited the prisoners and under the affectation of kindness and sympathy drew from them a confession of opinions which were afterwards urged against them and obtained discoveries relative to their connections and friends who were by these insidious means frequently involved in their destruction vivaldi conscious of his own innocence had on his first examination acquainted the inquisitor with the names and residence of his family he had therefore nothing new to apprehend from revealing them to this stranger but he perceived that if it should be known he had attempted to convey a message however concise and harmless the discovery would irritate the jealous inquisitors against him and might be urged as a new presumption of his guilt these considerations together with the distrust which the inconsistency of his visitor's assertions and the occasional embarrassment of his manner had awakened determined vivaldi to resist the temptation now offered to him and the stranger having received his thanks reluctantly withdrew observing however that should any unforeseen circumstance detain him in the inquisition longer than he had reason to expect he should beg leave to pay him another visit in reply to this vivaldi only bowed but he remarked that the stranger's countenance changed and that some dark brooding appeared to cloud his mind as he quitted the chamber several days elapsed during which Vivaldi heard no more of his new acquaintance. He was then summoned to another examination, from which he was dismissed as before, and some weeks of solitude and of heavy uncertainty succeeded, after which he was a fourth time called up to the table of the Holy Office. It was then surrounded by inquisitors, and a more than usual solemnity appeared in the proceedings. As proofs of Vivaldi's innocence had not been obtained, The suspicions of his examiners, of course, were not removed, and, as he persisted in denying the truth of the charge which he understood would be exhibited against him, and refused to make any confession of crimes, it was ordered that he should, within three hours, be put to the question. Till then, Vivaldi was once more dismissed to his prison chamber. His resolution remained unshaken but he could not look unmoved upon the horrors which might be preparing for him the interval of expectation between the sentence and the accomplishment of this preliminary punishment was indeed dreadful the seeming ignominy of his situation and his ignorance as to the degree of torture to be applied overcame the calmness he had before exhibited and as he paced his cell cold damps which hung upon his forehead betrayed the agony of his mind. It was not long, however, that he suffered from a sense of ignominy. His better judgment shewed him that innocence cannot suffer disgrace from any situation or circumstance, and he once more resumed the courage and the firmness which belong to virtue. It was about midnight that Vivaldi heard steps approaching and a murmur of voices at the door of his cell. He understood these to be the persons come to summon him to the torture. The door was unbarred, and two men habited in black appeared at it. Without speaking, they advanced, and throwing over him a singular kind of mantle, led him from the chamber. Along the galleries and other avenues through which they passed, not any person was seen, and by the profound stillness that reigned, IT SEEMED AS IF DEATH HAD ALREADY ANTICIPATED HIS WORK IN THESE REGIONS OF HORROR, AND HAD CONDEMNED ALIKE THE TORTURED AND THE TORTURER. THEY DESCENDED TO THE LARGE HALL WHERE VIVALDI HAD WAITED ON THE NIGHT OF HIS ENTRANCE, AND THENCE THROUGH THE AVENUE AND DOWN A LONG FLIGHT OF STEPS THAT LED TO SUBTERRANEAN CHAMBERS. HIS CONDUCTORS DID NOT UTTER A syllable DURING THE WHOLE PROGRESS, Vivaldi knew too well that questions would only subject him to greater severity and he asked none the doors through which they passed regularly opened at the touch of an iron rod carried by one of the officials and without the appearance of any person the other man bore a torch and the passages were so dimly lighted that the way could scarcely have been found without one they crossed what seemed to be a burial vault but the extent and obscurity of the place did not allow it to be ascertained and having reached an iron door they stopped one of the officials struck upon it three times with the rod but it did not open as the others had done while they waited vivaldi thought he heard from within low intermitting sounds as of persons in their last extremity but though within they appeared to come from a distance his whole heart was chilled not with fear for at that moment he did not remember himself, but with horror. Having waited a considerable time, during which the official did not repeat the signal, the door was partly opened by a person whom Vivaldi could not distinguish in the gloom beyond, and with whom one of his conductors communicated by signs, after which the door was closed. Several minutes had elapsed when tones of deep voices aroused the attention of Vivaldi. They were loud and hoarse, and spoke in a language unknown to him. At the sounds, the official immediately extinguished his torch. The voices drew nearer, and the door again unfolding. Two figures stood before Vivaldi, which, shewn by a glimmering light within, struck him with astonishment and dismay. They were clothed, like his conductors, in black, but in a different fashion, for their habits were made close to the shape their faces were entirely concealed beneath a very peculiar kind of cowl which descended from the head to the feet and their eyes only were visible through small openings contrived for the sight it occurred to vivaldi that these men were torturers their appearance was worthy of demons probably they were thus habited that the persons whom they afflicted might not know them or perhaps it was only for the purpose of striking terror upon the minds of the accused and thus compelling them to confess without further difficulty whatever motive might have occasioned their horrific appearance and whatever was their office vivaldi was delivered into their hands and in the same moment heard the iron door shut which enclosed him with them in a narrow passage gloomily lighted by a lamp suspended from the arched roof they walked in silence on each side of their prisoner and came to a second door which admitted them instantly into another passage a third door at a short distance admitted them to a third avenue at the end of which one of his mysterious guides struck upon a gate and they stopped the uncertain sounds that vivaldi had fancied he heard were now more audible and he distinguished with inexpressible horror that they were uttered by persons suffering. The gate was, at length, opened by a figure habited like his conductors, and two other doors of iron placed very near each other, being also unlocked. Vivaldi found himself in a spacious chamber, the walls of which were hung with black, duskily lighted by lamps that gleamed in the lofty vault. Immediately on his entrance a strange sound ran along the walls and echoed among other vaults that appeared by the progress of the sound to extend far beyond this. It was not immediately that Vivaldi could sufficiently recollect himself to observe any object before him, and even when he did so, the gloom of the place prevented his ascertaining many appearances. Shadowy countenances and uncertain forms seemed to flit through the dusk and many instruments, the application of which he did not comprehend, struck him with horrible suspicions. Still he heard, at intervals, half-suppressed groans, and was looking round to discover the wretched people from whom they were extorted, when a voice from a remote part of the chamber called on him to advance. The distance and the obscurity of the spot whence the voice issued had prevented Vivaldi from noticing any person there, and he was now slowly obeying, when on a second summons his conductors seized his arms and hurried him forward in a remote part of this extensive chamber he perceived three persons seated under a black canopy on chairs raised several steps from the floor and who appeared to preside there in the office of either judges or examiners or directors of the punishments below at a table sat a secretary over whom was suspended the only lamp that could enable him to commit to paper what should occur during the examination vivaldi now understood that the three persons who composed the tribunal were the vicar-general or grand inquisitor the advocate of the exchequer and an ordinary inquisitor who was seated between the other two and who appeared more eagerly to engage in the duties of this cruel office a portentous obscurity enveloped alike their persons and their proceedings At some distance from the tribunal stood a large iron frame which Vivaldi conjectured to be the rack, and near it another, resembling in shape a coffin, but happily he could not distinguish through the remote obscurity any person undergoing actual suffering. In the vaults beyond, however, the diabolical decrees of the inquisitors seemed to be fulfilling, for whenever a distant door opened for a moment, sounds of lamentation issued forth and men whom he judged to be familiars habited like those who stood beside him were seen passing to and fro within vivaldi almost believed himself in the infernal regions the dismal aspect of this place the horrible preparation for punishment and above all the disposition and appearance of the persons that were ready to inflict it confirmed the resemblance that any human being should willingly afflict a fellow-being who had never injured or even offended him that, unswayed by passion, he should deliberately become the means of torturing him, appeared to Vivaldi nearly incredible. But when he looked at the three persons who composed the tribunal, and considered that they had not only voluntarily undertaken the cruel office they fulfilled, but had probably long regarded it as the summit of their ambition, his astonishment and indignation were unbounded. The Grand Inquisitor, having again called on vivaldi by name admonished him to confess the truth and avoid the suffering that awaited him as vivaldi had on former examination spoken the truth which was not believed he had no chance of escaping present suffering but by asserting falsehood in doing so to avoid such monstrous injustice and cruelty he might perhaps have been justified had it been certain that such assertion could affect himself alone But since he knew that the consequence must extend to others, and, above all, believed that Elena di Rosaba must be involved in it, he did not hesitate for an instant to dare whatever torture his firmness might provoke. But even if mortality could have forgiven falsehood in such extraordinary circumstances as these, policy, after all, would have forbidden it, since a discovery of the artifice would probably have led to the final destruction of the accused person of Elena's situation he would now have asked however desperate the question would again have asserted her innocence and supplicated for compassion even to inquisitors had he not perceived that in doing so he should only furnish them with a more exquisite means of torturing him than any other they could apply for if when all the terrors of his soul concerning her were understood they should threaten to increase her sufferings as the punishment of what was termed his obstinacy they would indeed become the masters of his integrity as well of as his person. The tribunal again and repeatedly urged Vivaldi to confess himself guilty, and the inquisitor at length concluded with saying that the judges were innocent of whatever consequence might ensue from his obstinacy, so that if he expired beneath his sufferings, himself only, not they, would have occasioned his death i am innocent of the charges which i understand are urged against me said vivaldi with solemnity i repeat that i am innocent if to escape the horrors of these moments i could be weak enough to declare myself guilty not all your racks could alter truth and make me so except in that assertion the consequence of your tortures therefore be upon your own heads while vivaldi spoke the vicar-general listened with attention and when he had ceased to speak appeared to meditate but the inquisitor was irritated by the boldness of his speech instead of being convinced by the justness of his representation and made a signal for the officers to prepare for the question while they were obeying vivaldi observed notwithstanding the agitation he suffered a person crossed the chamber whom he immediately knew to be the same that had passed him in an avenue of the inquisition on a former night and whom he had then fancied to be the mysterious stranger of Paluzzi, vivaldi now fixed his eyes upon him but his own peculiar situation prevented his feeling the interest he had formerly suffered concerning him the figure air and stalk of this person were so striking and so strongly resembled those of the monk of Paluzzi that vivaldi had no longer a doubt as to their identity he pointed him out to one of the officials and inquired who he was. While he spoke the stranger was passing forward, and before any reply was given a door leading to the farther vaults shut him from view. Vivaldi, however, repeated the inquiry, which the official appeared unable to answer, and a reproof from the tribunal reminded him that he must not ask questions there vivaldi observed that it was the grand inquisitor who spoke and that the manner of the official immediately changed the familiars who were the same that had conducted vivaldi into the chamber having made ready the instrument of torture approached him and after taking off his cloak and vest bound him with strong cords they threw over his head the customary black garment which entirely enveloped his figure and prevented his observing what was farther preparing In this state of expectation, he was again interrogated by the Inquisitor. "'Was you ever in the Church of the Spirito Santo at Naples?' said he. "'Yes,' said Vivaldi. "'Did you ever express there a contempt for the Catholic faith?' "'Never,' said Vivaldi. "'Neither by word or action?' continued the Inquisitor. "'Never by either.' "'Recollect yourself,' added the Inquisitor did you ever insult there a minister of our most holy church vivaldi was silent he began to perceive the real nature of the charge which was to be urged against him and that it was too plausible to permit his escape from the punishment which he is adjudged for heresy questions so direct and minute had never been put to him here on his former examinations They had been reserved for a moment, when it was believed he could not evade them, and the real charge had been concealed from him that he might not be prepared to elude it. Answer, repeated the inquisitor, did you ever insult a minister of the Catholic faith in the Church of the Spirito Santo at Naples? Did you not insult him while he was performing an act of holy penance, said another voice, Vivaldi started, for he instantly recollected the well-known tones of the monk of Paluzzi. "'Who asks the question?' demanded Vivaldi. "'It is you who are to answer here,' resumed the inquisitor. "'Answer to what I have required!' "'I have offended a minister of the church,' replied Vivaldi, "'but never could intentionally insult our holy religion. "'You are not acquainted, fathers, with the injuries that provoke—' "'Enough!' interrupted the inquisitor speak to the question did you not by insult and menace force a pious brother to leave unperformed the act of penance in which he had engaged himself did you not compel him to quit the church and fly for refuge to his convent no replied vivaldi tis true he left the church and that in consequence of my conduct there but the consequence was not necessary if he had only replied to my inquiry, or promised to restore her of whom he had treacherously robbed me, he might have remained quietly in the church till this moment, had that depended upon my forbearance. What? said the vicar-general. Would you have compelled him to speak when he was engaged in silent penance? You confess that you occasioned him to leave the church. That is enough." "'Where did you first see Elena di Rosaba?' said the voice which had spoken once before. "'I demand again, who gives the question?' answered Vivaldi. "'Recollect yourself,' said the inquisitor. "'A criminal cannot make demand.' "'I do not perceive the connection between your admonition and your assertion,' observed Vivaldi. "'You appear to be rather too much at your ease,' said the inquisitor. "'Answer to the question which was last put to you, or the familiars shall do their duty.' let the same person ask it replied vivaldi end of part 1 of chapter 26 reading by marty chris